Uh, today's scripture reading will be uh, in Luke 19, 28 through 40. This is ESV version. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus. And throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down to the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory to the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Thank you. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, my name is John. I am associate pastor here at King's Cross, and it is my privilege to, uh, to share with us today. Um, today, we're taking a necessary break from the Esther series. We've been going through the book of Esther for the past several weeks. Um, but we take this break because, like I, like I mentioned and like we've been kind of doing throughout uh, the service so far today, um, today is Palm Sunday. And in the Christian calendar, this is kind of like one of the... Uh, uh, one of the most sacred weeks on the Christian calendar. Uh, it is known, uh, this week is known as Holy Week or Passion Week, and it starts today uh, at uh, this thing that we just read, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Give you a couple other dates as we're kind of coming into this week. Uh, this Thursday is known as Maundy Thursday, which commemorates the Lord's Supper, and that's where we, you know, that's where we, uh, where we draw the sacrament of uh, of communion, uh, which we do every week here. Um, and it's also uh, the time when Jesus washed his disciples' feet, right? So that's Maundy Thursday. That's this coming Thursday. And then there is Good Friday, uh, the, the day that we remember that Jesus, that he is captured, that he is wrongfully accused and tried and executed on the cross. And then Saturday is called Holy Saturday. And this is just, this is Jesus is in the tomb. And then, of course, next week, next Sunday, Easter Sunday, or Resurrection Sunday, and we celebrate Jesus' victory over sin, over death. Amen? And so, again, it is a humbling privilege to preach this afternoon on this Palm Sunday. Uh, as a heads up, I've been trying to sharpen the way that I communicate and give roadmaps before I speak today. I'm not going to give you a roadmap, so you're just going to have to follow with me. Okay? Uh, keep up. Um, but we read today, uh, Tana read for us from Luke chapter 19. 
and he read, again, this, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And so all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all give account of this. Uh, they all give account that Jesus comes down from the Mount of Olives on the way to Jerusalem. And, they, and each of the four Gospels describe this triumphal entry. And in every account, we see that the people gather. The people on the road, as they're going through from, uh, uh, f- uh, from Jericho into Jerusalem, they're following along, they're celebrating Jesus. They are worshiping Jesus. Now, many of them were probably travelers on their way to Jerusalem as well, because if you know, during this time, it was, uh, they're approaching the time of Passover, which was one of the major holidays of the, of the Jewish people. You know, and if, if you know, Passover is the time when, you, you guys remember Moses and Pharaoh, when God delivered his people out of Egypt and out of slavery, uh, this is Passover. And so the multitudes of people, they're, they're all traveling, and, and very likely a lot of them were travelers on the road headed towards Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And undoubtedly, these people have heard that this Jesus, not too long ago, had just raised a man from the dead. Jesus' friend Lazarus had died, but then Jesus said a word. He said, come out, come out of the grave. And Lazarus came back to life. So undoubtedly, the people have heard, oh my gosh, this Jesus, he can raise the dead. Surely, he must be the one. He must be the one that we've been waiting for. He must be the promised Messiah. And so the people celebrate. They've got they're throwing their cloaks on the ground. They're throwing palm branches, which, which signifies like a, 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 man, I just forgot, okay? I forgot, but they're throwing palm branches on the ground to celebrate, okay? And, and you know, it's this amazing, this amazing view of the people celebrating. And the Jewish leaders, they say to Jesus, hey, you need to silence them. You hear what they're saying? This is blasphemy. And I love it, man, Jesus. He says, if they were silent, the rocks would cry out. It is a glorious picture, victorious even. It seems like this is the culmination of Jesus' ministry. And finally, the people are beginning to understand who Jesus is, that he is the promised one, the Messiah, the King. But this picture of the masses, of all of these people throwing their cloaks on the ground, celebrating with palm branches, within a matter of days, would turn, it would flip. And soon, these same masses would instead throw curses at Jesus and shout, crucify him. Now these people, whether they knew it or not, they wanted a different kind of king. They 
Really, they wanted the kind of king that everyone was used to, but they wanted a kind of a king, like a military superpower who would come and overthrow the Roman, uh, the Roman Empire to free them from this kind of this, this oppression. They wanted a political giant that would make Israel great again. Okay. They, they wanted a king that would wear gold and jewels and a heavy cape, you know, like this, this, this vision of a king. But really, they wanted a king that would look down on everyone from his place of self-importance. Because that's how all the kings are of this earth. But that's not the kind of king Jesus is. What kind of king is he? He's a new kind of king. Now, earlier in this same chapter of Luke's gospel, chapter 19, we get, a, we get a really cool, a really good glimpse of the kind of king that Jesus is. So if you have your Bibles open, if you, if you have, like, flip to, I don't know if you have to flip, scroll, whatever that is, to the beginning of chapter 19. Verse 1 says, he, that's Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named, why am I forgetting his name? I just kept writing Z in my notes. Zacchaeus. I was going to say, okay. Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Now, chief tax collector. Now, that's bad. And he was rich. Now, that's really bad. Why is that? So we know that the Roman model of, of tax collection was that they would, from the lands that they conquered, they would, uh, they would hire people from um, among the people to collect those taxes. Right? So from within, from within the conquered peoples, they would hire people from those people to be like, to, to, to work for them and to, to take taxes from the people. Now that's bad, right? Because the tax collectors were working for the enemy, they were taking money for the enemy. And he was chief tax collector, which means he was like really good at it, right? He must have been doing a good job getting money, taking money, and giving it to the enemies who were oppressing them, right? But so not only that, but these tax collectors themselves, they made their livelihood by, they knew how much tax they needed to collect for the empire, and they were allowed to take whatever extra for themselves. Does that make sense? That was how they made money. So if, if it was required to take 2%, they could, they could ask for 3% and pocket 1%. Does that make sense? Now, Zacchaeus was very rich. Where is he getting his money? Everybody knows where he's getting his money. So Zacchaeus is a man that was taking from his own people to fill his own pockets. And so we can imagine that he was despised by his community. He was rejected. He was alone. Okay, so this is Zacchaeus. And then verse 3. And he, that's Zacchaeus, was seeking to see who Jesus was. 
Now Zacchaeus, for sure, he had heard about who this Jesus was. Jesus was friend of tax collectors, friend of prostitutes and sinners. And he probably must have heard that this, this Jesus was the one that raised someone from the dead. Man, I gotta see this. But on account of the crowd, he could not see Jesus because he was small in stature. The Bible gives funny details sometimes. Right? Why is his stature important to mention? Did his height affect his identity or his self-esteem or his social status? Like, I don't, we don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But in this scene, you can kind of imagine with me, if you can, can I, like imagine, there's the crowds of people, Jesus is coming through, and there's crowds, and you know, Zacchaeus is trying, to, is trying to see, trying to get a, get a view, and the people around him are like, oop, sorry Zacchaeus, was that my elbow in your face? Oh, sorry Zacchaeus, didn't see you there, was that your foot? Like, you know, you can kind of imagine, because again, He's not someone that's welcome in the community, right? So Zacchaeus, he, verse four, he runs ahead. He ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, that's Jesus, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. It's so awesome. I love Jesus. And we continue in verse 7. And when they saw it, this is the crowds, when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone to be the guest of a man who was a sinner. And verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. This is the kind of king he is. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if Jesus had this very Zacchaeus, this chief tax collector of Jericho, short in stature, hated and despised by his people. I wouldn't be surprised if Jesus had this Zacchaeus in mind throughout the events of the previous chapter, chapter uh, Luke chapter 18. And we're gonna run through some of this stuff that happens in the previous chapter. Now in Luke chapter 18, Jesus gives this parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And basically there's the Pharisee in the temple. There, there's two guys that are worshiping in the temple. There's the Pharisee and the tax collector and the Pharisee is saying stuff like, basically like, you know, God, I do all these wonderful things and thank you that I'm not like this sinner, this tax collector. And meanwhile, the tax collector, he's standing far off. He's not, he, like he doesn't feel, he doesn't feel like he can even be like in the presence and he's standing far off. 
not even able to lift his eyes to heaven, but instead he's, he beats his breast and he says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus in this story, he says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. I just, I imagine Zacchaeus is that sinner who's standing far off, unable to lift his eyes to heaven, beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, I'm a sinner. But see, in this encounter that we see in chapter 19, Jesus under the sycamore tree, Jesus, he looks up. He's the only one who is sinless, who is able to look up to heaven guiltlessly, right? He looks up and he sees Zacchaeus. And he tells him to come down. Zacchaeus, hurry, come down. For I must stay at your house today. Now, in the next section of Luke chapter 18, so I'm kind of going back and forth here, right? So try to stay with me, right? Luke chapter 18, the next passage, verses 15 to 17, the disciples, they rebuke people for bringing children to Jesus. Children are not not quite seen as people yet. They're not not given that that honor, that authority, but Jesus, he's an important person. Hold on, you're kids. You're you're, You're not allowed to come here. So they rebuke the people for bringing children, and Jesus says, let them come. In fact, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Jesus always, he's flipping things, flipping things on, the head, on its head. This is the kingdom. This is the kingdom, of, this is the kingdom of God. This is the type of kingdom Jesus is king over, right? Now, Zacchaeus, coming back to chapter 19, Zacchaeus, we, we, see, we see him. He runs ahead and he climbs a tree. Now, in those days, if you know this or not, this is what I read anyways, in those days and in those times, men did not run, let alone climb trees. That's stuff that kids do. That's stuff, that's, that's, what, that's stuff what children do. Now, imagine, I imagine how Zacchaeus, He's desperate. He's desperate for something new, desperate for something real, desperate for meaning, for purpose, for acceptance. Zacchaeus throwing off whatever pride that he had left, and he had to get a glimpse of Jesus. And whether he knew it or not, Zacchaeus became like a child climbing a tree. He's desperate for Jesus. And then in the next section of Luke chapter 18, there's the rich ruler. And, 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 and this, this guy, he comes to Jesus and he, and he says, teacher, uh, he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? <laughs> no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And the rich ruler said, all these I have kept from my youth. And when Jesus heard this, he said, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have, distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come and follow me. 
But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Now Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God, for it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And then those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But Jesus said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Zacchaeus was an extremely rich person. And here we see God doing the impossible. The camel went through the eye of the needle. Zacchaeus gladly gave up his wealth, right? Half of his possessions to the poor, that's right away. And then he says, four times, if I've cheated anybody, I'll pay them back four times. That's his wealth, it's gone. And it says that Zacchaeus gladly did this, right? This is like, if he had to trade, and it's funny because Jesus didn't really, as far as we know, Jesus didn't demand him to do it. He didn't tell him that you have to do it. But if he had to choose, if he had to trade, Zacchaeus gladly gave up what he had in order to have Jesus. Now the point, friends, is not, hey, we've gotta be like Zacchaeus because he's awesome. No, friends, Jesus is awesome. But Zacchaeus gives us a picture. Zacchaeus gives us a picture of what seeking Jesus and being found by Jesus can be like, maybe must be like. Now this is especially when you juxtapose Zacchaeus from the young, the, 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 rich, the, the rich ruler. When you compare Zacchaeus to the Pharisee in the parable, Friends, we cannot hold on to self-importance, self-reliance, and pride, and also receive Jesus. Like, you can't, you can't hold both. You cannot hold on to self-importance and self-reliance and also receive Jesus. You cannot hold on to whatever it is that you think brings you and gives you your identity. If it's wealth or position or status, pleasure, popularity, like whatever, whatever it is that you think gives you your identity, you can't hold on to that and also have Jesus. Zacchaeus gives us a picture of what seeking Jesus and being found by him looks like. So again, what kind of king is Jesus? He's the king who seeks and saves the lost. He's the king who dwells and dines with sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors. And he doesn't do that because he likes what they're doing. He's not because he approves of what they're doing but because he sees through that, right? He sees through what they do to their need. Now, Zacchaeus was dismissed. He was rejected by his people, and he might have deserved it. 
But see, Jesus is not the king who wants to give us what we deserve. Jesus is the king who is full of grace and mercy. And he gives us out of the overflow, this eternal, this love, this generosity, this grace and mercy. This is the kind of king that Jesus is. He's not, he, he's not the king that's worried about a popularity contest. He doesn't care about the ratings or popular opinion. The people are like, what the heck are you doing, man? Why, why, are, you, why are you hanging out with this sinner? Jesus, he didn't... He doesn't care. Everyone might grumble and disagree with what Jesus does, but Jesus is the king who always does the will of his father. Jesus is the king who loves the unlovable. He's the king he loves. He loves and he loves to forgive. And he loves to restore. He loves to welcome all of us into his kingdom. Amen? So how do we be a people who welcome his kingdom, who long for his kingdom, who seek his kingdom? Now we read that passage of the triumphal entry into Jerusalem of Palm Sunday and running and singing and shouting Hosanna and throwing cloaks and palm branches, like all that, yeah, that's cool. But what if Jesus doesn't do what you expect him to do for you? Will you continue? Will you continue to celebrate and joy? Will you continue to honor him as king? Zacchaeus, he shows us, I believe, he shows us a truer way of welcoming the king. But this is important, I'm gonna say it again, so, so please listen. Now something happens to Zacchaeus in his encounter with Jesus. Zacchaeus isn't saved because of what Zacchaeus did. He is saved because of what Jesus does. Why do we call this the triumphal entry into Jerusalem? Why is it triumphant? Jesus has been to Jerusalem a number of times before. Why is this the triumphal entry? Because this is the road that Jesus is going and because in Jerusalem at this time, Jesus will go in obedience. He will go in power, in humility. And there Jesus will go to take our place. To save us from what we deserve, from what we have earned. To take our place. Now can you imagine Jesus looks up at Zacchaeus and he says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must go up another tree for you. Because within a week's time, Jesus' mission is to go up the tree of Calvary, 
that wretched cross, our salvation. And everyone will look up at him, and many will scoff. Many will mock. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So just a quick question as I wrap up today. Are you in a tree? (laughs) Maybe you need to. Maybe you need to throw off some pride and and get up there and climb this tree. But, But are you in a tree? Are you trying to find meaning and purpose in all these different kinds of places? If you are, would you see Jesus looking at you? Mike, Sarah, Jeannie, Jesus looking at you saying, hey, come down from that tree. I've got to, I must stay with you. I must be with you. I must be your king. I'm the king who climbs another tree for you to pay for the sins and the death that you deserve. That grammar wasn't right. To pay for the sins, to pay for the death that you deserve. I just said the same thing, anyways. This is Jesus. This is the kind of king that he is. He is humble, He is loving, he is patient, he is kind, he is full of compassion. He longs for us, he longs for us to join him in his kingdom. Would you pray with me? Let me give all of us just a opportunity to uh, to go before to go before the Lord you know I think a lot of times uh, we'll we'll either identify ourselves with the Pharisee at times identify ourselves with the tax collector like Zacchaeus and I think if we're honest we're we're both But can we, this afternoon, uh, as we are gathered together right now, can we see Jesus? And he's calling to you. Come down from whatever it is, whatever you're trying to, wherever you're trying to find meaning, wherever you're trying to find identity, wherever you're trying to find freedom or purpose, would you come down? Can we come down and can we be with Jesus?
we thank you, Jesus, for the kind of king that you are. You are a new kind of king, the king of an upside-down kingdom, where the first shall be last and the last shall be first, where the greatest shall be the servant. And in all of these things, God, you modeled this for us, Jesus. You were on your knees washing your disciples' feet. You were dining with the despicable, the ugly, the unlovable. And because of your love, transforming. God, bring transformation. Thank you for the kind of king that you are, full of grace and compassion. May our hearts, may our lives welcome you, King Jesus. I'm gonna invite Pastor Mike to come. He's going to lead us in a time of communion.